Men, you may be seated. What glorious truths we have just sung. What an amazing message God wrapped in the person of his son, the fullness of grace and truth, the son of God wrapped in human flesh in the incarnation. God wrapped his story in the life of his son. And through the story of the gospel that was enfleshed in him, he was used of God to transform lives. The lives of his disciples, the lives of people were controlled by demons, the lives of people who were lame, the lives of people who were blind and deaf. He transformed the lives of religious people who needed to know the reality of Christ. God wrapped his story in the enfleshment of his son. The amazing thing is that today, God is wrapping his story, the story of the gospel, in your story. God wants to enflesh the gospel of Jesus Christ in the story of your life. Your transformation is the platform of the gospel for people that you work with and live near and go to school with and where you do business, all of those relationships you have, your story of transformation is the enfleshment of the gospel. God wants to wrap your story in his story. The challenge is many Christians are kept by, they're just afraid and intimidated to ever open their mouth on behalf of Jesus Christ with another person. And my friends, if you're a Christ follower, I don't want to be a travel agent for a guilt trip today about that, but I want to help you. I want to help you understand that it is actually one of the tactics of the enemy of our soul, Satan, who knows he can't take away your salvation to try to take away your effectiveness for the gospel, to make you so afraid of being able to open your mouth and speak for him to people that are around you that your story never gets told. And so his story never gets shared. This week I was reading, only 5% of the people in America today have a, an outrightly negative view of true biblical Christianity. The rest of them have yet to encounter it. And when you open your mouth and you share your story which is really his story of transformation. People are ready to hear. They are. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. And you show that you are a letter from Christ. You are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not in ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone like the law, but on tablets of the human heart. Paul said, you are God's letter to this world, a letter of Christ to this world. God wraps his story in your story of transformation. Now, Paul practiced that because when you go through the book of Acts, you see repeatedly that the apostle Paul, when he stood in front of the, um, the Sanhedrin, when he stood in front of that, that, that group of leaders, or when he stood in front of a crowd of people that were ready to kill him, or he stood in front of kings, it didn't matter. Paul told his story of transformation, how God had changed his life. He told his story. Paul did that. 
and we need to do that. And one of those stories of transformation is in Acts chapter 3. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me. This is a, an incredible story of a transformed life. And we're going to just read the first 10 verses of Acts chapter 3. A Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer in the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called a beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Father in heaven, we pray for the help of your Holy Spirit who authored the word to be the teacher of the word to our hearts to empower the testimony of our lives that the story of Christ's gospel might be so wrapped in our lives that others may hear and see and trust in his grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our vision statement as a church is that we would be transformed followers of Christ, passionately responding to God, rooted in prayer, and equipping disciples. And it starts off talking about being transformed followers of Christ. That means if you have trusted in him, you are transformed and you are in the process of being transformed. You have been changed and you are in the process of being changed. And that story of transformation is what God wants to use in the lives of other people all around you. Now there's some things to learn from this story of this man whose life was obviously and, and significantly, supernaturally transformed for us. And so I've got some questions for you. I have five questions for you this morning for you to think about your story of transformation and how God can use that in the lives of other people. Here's the first one. Have you discovered in your life the power of prayer? Have you discovered in your life the power of prayer? You know, there's been a lot of discoveries about sources of power. When they really discovered the power of wind, or when they discovered the power of steam for steam engines and steam uh, locomotives and steam boats, when they discovered the power that was in oil that they could actually propel your car down the road, or when they discovered the power that is in the atom. They discovered great power, but I want to tell you the greatest power in the world is the power of God unleashed in prayer. And Peter and John were going up to the temple in the hour of prayer. I want you to notice that. You see, there were three different 
times in the temple when they prayed, 9 o'clock in the morning, noon, and 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which was the time of the evening sacrifice. They patterned after Daniel, who prayed three times a day and set that aside. And here, Peter and John are together as disciples going up to the temple for the purpose of prayer. They had discovered through Christ's example and Christ's teaching the power of prayer. Fourteen times in the book of Acts, we find the church in prayer. There's only 28 chapters. And 14 specific occasions of prayer. The reason the church in the book of Acts was a powerful church is because it was a praying church. And there is a direct relationship between prayer and the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit. When you discover that reality that the the power and work of the Holy Spirit is unleashed in our life when we humbly depend upon God in prayer. And James and Peter are going up together at the hour of prayer. And the reason that their lives were transformed and they could transform others is because they were praying men. And they had a prayer partnership. They actually encouraged each other to pray. By the way, prayer is not just a solo activity in the life of the Christian. Even the Lord's Prayer is all plural pronouns. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Prayer is a corporate activity. When two believers get together and they pray and they believe God in prayer, powerful things can happen in prayer. That's why as a married couple, if you're married, praying together, having a friendship where you pray together, Have you discovered the power that is in prayer? Peter and John had discovered that. And their lives had been transformed by the Holy Spirit. Peter, the impetuous one. Peter, the one who denied Christ, now restored and changed. And in prayer, he was empowered to be a testimony for Jesus. What about John, the son of thunder who had a temper problem? who got to be known as the apostle of love. He was transformed by Christ because he discovered the power of prayer. Listen, friend, if you are intimidated to share your story of transformation with other people, the place to start is prayer. Prayer for boldness and prayer for people around you that need Christ. You pray, the Holy Spirit will prompt you and empower you to be able to share Christ with others. I believe our story of transformation needs to start when we discover the power that is in prayer. Here's the second question. Do you acknowledge your brokenness? Do you acknowledge your brokenness? This certain man, it's kind of like we have this huge crowd and people, a sea of mankind moving by on their way to the temple, and all of a sudden the camera zooms in on one man. He is a beggar, and he is sitting by the gate of the temple. And as we we focus on his attention, we realize this certain man that we're told in in chapter 3 was lame from birth, verse 2. That is, from his mother's womb, a prenatal problem that he had had, a birth defect, a disability. Later in chapter 4, we find out this man is now 40 years old. you got to get that picture. He had never walked a day in his life. He was lame from his mother's womb, and he's now 40 years old. And this is before we had laws about disability, and there was no ramp for him to get anywhere. There were no wheelchairs. People had to carry him from place to place. And he's sitting there. The gate of the temple, the eastern gate that moves from the court of the women to the court of the Gentiles, 
And we're told by Josephus that this, this uh, gate was covered with Corinthian bronze. It was 75 foot high, and it took 20 men to open these gates. It is the, the most beautiful, ornate gate in the temple, in Herod's temple. And he is put there day after day, and that's where he is, where people are walking by. And he's begging for alms. That's how he supported himself. He thought maybe people will be moved religiously as they walk by, and they'll give a, they'll give a little bit. And a lot of people would just walk by and not do anything, and then some would have compassion and mercy on him, would, would give. His life, his life was a life of tragic brokenness. He was unable to walk. He was unable to work. He was unable to enter the temple. Others assumed, if you kind of carry out the way a lot of people thought in that day, in Acts chapter 9, like the man that was born blind, that either he or his parents were sinners. And so people assumed the worst about him. He was broken. One day I was visiting a, a camp north of here near Traverse City called Lake Ann, and I, I was noticing the artwork, the artwork actually done by a man from Grand Rapids here, Jim DeVries. Jim was a, is an inventor who invented some very um, significant um, uh, uh, technology for medical use. But he also is an artist. And one of the pieces of art that was, that's displayed at Lake Ann is the one we're going to show you right now. The, the, it's a figure that is clearly a human being. And you can see him laying on, his, on the side with, a, with the hands in his face and the, the parcel eaten fruit on the side. And um, through the back of that, there is a hole that's almost the size of the, the, um, the body, this huge hole. And it's a picture of the fall. It is the picture of brokenness in our life. And all of us can experience that. There have been people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that for one reason or another have walked onto the camp and they've walked up to that sculpture and began to weep and said, that's me, that's me right there. My friend, that's all of us. Matter of fact, if you don't acknowledge your brokenness, then you don't know you need grace. If you don't acknowledge your sin, you don't know that you need a savior. This man was broken, and he could acknowledge that. He knew that. He admitted that. One of the last words that Martin Luther ever wrote is this. We are beggars, that is true. In other words, we're all broken. We all need God's grace. Friend, what we tend to do, though, is to hide our brokenness. We try to hide it from God, which doesn't work. We try to hide it from each other, which doesn't work. And we even try to hide it from people who need Christ. The reality is, your brokenness is part of your story. Just like this man's being lame from birth was a part of his story. Your brokenness caused by sin is part of the story that God wants to use for his glory because it's the very area of transformation in your life. So my question to you is, have you discovered the power of prayer and do you acknowledge your brokenness? Every one of us, if we really thought about it, could think about a significant need in our life that can only be met by Jesus Christ. What is it? What is the area where the brokenness of sin has touched your life in such a way that you know that you need Jesus desperately? 
The third question, have you embraced Christ's name? Look what happens in verse uh, 4. This uh, lame man is seeing Peter and John about to go in the temple in verse 3. And he asks for alms. He's looking at them. And Peter directed his gaze at him. He looked right at him. And John did as well and said, look at us. And he, he f- fixed his attention on them. Perhaps in his mind he's thinking, oh, I've got somebody's attention. Maybe they will show me compassion and give a generous gift to me. He didn't get what he wanted, but he got what he desperately needed. Because Peter and John respond by saying, "Um, silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have we offer you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Christ's name. He's going to receive more than he ever dreamed. You see, this, this lame man had been at the temple gate for years. He had heard about Jesus teaching within the temple. He had heard rumors about the miracles that he had done, including causing people who were lame to be healed. He had heard about all that Jesus had done, and he had heard about the the entrance that Jesus had into Jerusalem with the shouts of Hosanna, and Jesus coming to that temple and turning over the tables. He He had heard about him, but he had not apparently encountered Christ. He knew about his name. Perhaps he had heard about his crucifixion and the rumors of his resurrection. But now Peter and John say, in the name of Jesus... Rise up and walk. It's interesting how this focus on the name of Jesus becomes a dominant thing in the rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, as Pastor Joel will unfold that in weeks to come. I want you to think ahead with me a little bit. After this man is healed, there gathers this large crowd at Solomon's porch in the temple and 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 Peter uses the occasion to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the crowd. And says, don't think that it's because of our own power, our own holiness or godliness that this man's been healed. It is in the name of Jesus. And he focuses attention on the name of Jesus Christ. Peter and John are later arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin. And they ask him, They're aware of the miracle, the transformation of this life. And and they ask him, what name have you done this? And they said, in the name of Jesus, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. The name of Christ is that which represents his person and work. As the Son of God, as the Son of Man, as the Redeemer and Savior, as the one who would die on the cross in our place, the one who would rise from the dead, the one who's able to save all who call upon his name. And so Peter and John talk about this, the the name of Christ. My friend, it's not in your name that your story should be told. It's not making much about you. If If you're telling the story about Jesus and by the end of the story, you're the hero of the story, you've missed the whole point. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. 
It's all about his name. Your story is actually his story wrapped in your life. It's all about Christ. You're not the hero of your story, friend. Jesus is. And when you share your your story of transformation, make sure that it's all pointing to the name of Jesus Christ. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. Have you embraced Christ's name? Are you transformed by Christ? Look what happens to this man. They took him by the right hand and they raised him up and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. Now the author of the book of Acts is the same author as the gospel of Luke. It is Luke the doctor. He was a physician, sometimes called the beloved physician. And he uses language here which only a doctor would use. He uses words that are only found here in the New Testament talking about the anatomy of his legs and ankles being, being uh, strengthened. And actually, that, that idea of strengthen is the word from which we get our word steroids. I'm not suggesting we use steroids. But it's actually that word that's used here. He received strength. And something supernatural happened. I remember working on a dairy farm and the first time I ever saw a calf mourn. I mean, it was just an amazing thing to watch that birth process take place. And that little calf, we carry it, and we put it in front of the stall where the mother is, and she begins to lick that little calf, and and, and then within about an hour, he's trying to stand. And his legs are really wobbly, and he kind of falls over, and he gets back up. Within a day, that calf is standing. Not so with mankind. I doubt any of your kids did that immediately when they came out of the womb. Matter of fact, it takes a long time. I mean, they crawl, and then they learn to get up alongside a a chair, and they'll, they'll pull themselves up, and they'll scoot along, and then finally the day comes when they take that one step. This man had never done that, ever. His joints, ligaments, and muscles were all beyond atrophied. And this supernatural, immediate miracle happens that his legs receive strength and he stands and he walks and he jumps. That, my friends, is a miracle, the immediacy of it. This is a miracle of transformation that only God could do. Only God could do that. There is no human explanation for this miracle of healing, right? Only God could take a man who had never walked and give him the strength, no physical therapy, no strength training, and he's up and he's walking and he's jumping and he goes into the temple. My friend, I want to suggest to you that your life is no less a miracle of Jesus Christ. So I've been able to walk since I was a child. Yes, but you couldn't walk with God. I wasn't dead and raised again like Lazarus. Yes, you were. You were dead in your trespasses and sins if you trusted Jesus and you've been raised in newness of life. I wasn't blind like the blind man. Yes, you were blind to the glories of Christ and he has taken the veils off your eyes and now you can see. My friend, if you have trusted Jesus Christ and you've been saved by his grace, then your story is just as much a story of transformation and glory as this man's story. And don't you ever belittle your story. Because it is his story wrapped in your story, and that story needs to be told to this world. Your story. 
You have a story of transformation. It is his story wrapped in your story that people around you desperately need to hear. Have you been transformed by Christ? By the way, Pastor Joel read Ephesians chapter 2 a little bit earlier, and I want to just share with you if you want to jot this down. If you want to kind of think about how to share your story effectively with other people, just take Ephesians chapter 2 as a guideline. I'm going to give you just three movements of the story. You needed Christ, Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. You needed Christ. You trusted Christ, Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. You trusted Christ. And then you were changed by Christ. I'll go back over this again, Ephesians 2, verses 10 to 22. That's it. That's your story. You needed Christ. You were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. You trusted in Christ and experienced his grace. Ephesians 2, 4 to 9. And you were changed by Christ. Ephesians 2, 10 to 22. And by the way, that transformation is ongoing. You have a story of transformation that desperately, desperately needs to be told. Desperately needs to be told. The last question I have for you is this. Are you influencing others? Now, sometimes Christians don't have the best influence on others. And sometimes it's because we're not living fully for God. Um, There was a, a lady who was sitting behind another car where a man was driving, and the man stopped for a crosswalk where children were crossing over to go to school. Impatiently, that, that man waited as some kids were still on the curb and ready to walk. And so this, this lady in the car got irritated, she started beeping on the horn, shaking her fist, and uh, saying some things with her mouth that weren't, I bless you in the name of Jesus, I don't think. And so as she's doing this and just still you know, honking on her horn and angrily shaking her fist, she hears a knock on her window, and it is a police officer. The police officer asks her to get out of the car. He arrests her, handcuffs her, and takes her down, and she is fingerprinted, and she is booked. And she's in a jail cell. Later, the policeman comes back, and she's, a policeman comes back to the cell. She is brought out, and the arresting officer is there at the desk. He says, ma'am, I'm sorry for this mistake. You see, I pulled up behind your car while you were blowing your horn and shaking your fist and, and cussing a blue streak at this man. And I noticed the what would Jesus do license plate holder the follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker and the chrome-plated Jesus fish emblem on the trunk and then my boss is a Jewish carpenter decal in your back window and naturally I assumed you'd stolen the car. <laughs> Listen, it's a great thing for us to raise the flag and say that we're followers of Christ, but people need to see that transform life. The reality of Christ in our life. They need to see that we are being changed, not that we're perfect. They don't expect you to be perfect, but they expect you to be real and authentic and changed. Is your life glorifying God by being transformed? I want you to notice what happens next here. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They saw him. They recognized him, verse 10, as the one who sat by the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They had walked by this man for 40 years he had been there. And their religion and their tradition had been powerless to meet his need. And now he is transformed, he has changed by the name of Jesus Christ. Friends, what religion can't do, Jesus can do. 
What ritual can't accomplish, the Redeemer can. What the laws of man are impossible to do, the Lord Jesus Christ can transform. Christ can do what no religion can ever do. He can transform a life from the inside out. And so they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Amazing story. Amazing story. These people were overwhelmed with surprise and awe at what had happened. My friend, listen, when you let your story out, there are going to be other people that are going to be impacted. Now hear this. God used this man's transformed life to give an occasion to Peter to preach the gospel message in the rest of Acts chapter 3. And several thousand people trusted Christ because of the story of transformation. It later gives an occasion for Peter and John to preach the gospel to the entire Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin. This man's story was the basis of that. One story of transformation and thousands of people trust Christ as Savior. Why would you keep your story a secret? Why would you be muzzled from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ wrapped in your life because it is his story and your story that glorifies him in the lives of people? You ever see the commercial, what's in your wallet? Change it. What's in your story? What's in your story? Is your story a story of a person who has been met with Christ in your brokenness? Is your story the story of of someone who Christ changed when you believed in his name? Is your story a story that is a bridge to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is your story, his story, wrapped in your life? Because, friend, when that story gets out, people will be curious and open and responsive. Don't keep the best news this world has ever heard a secret from the people who desperately need to hear it. Father, thank you for the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ wrapped in the life of this man, but more importantly, wrapped in our lives. God, may we, through prayer and dependence on your spirit, acknowledging our own brokenness, our own need, believing in the name of Jesus Christ and his power to change our lives, having lives that are transformed and being transformed, and being ready even this week to influence others. Lord, what a glorious thing it would be this week for us to be prepared and prayed up and ready when the opportunity comes for us to share our story with someone because it's in sharing our story that we get to share your story. In Jesus' name, amen.